Hey guys, you're listening to Drunken Uncultured. We are a drinking problem masquerading as a pop culture podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm Stephanie. And we are um, doing something new for the first time. First time. Feels like. We're doing it live. We're, we are doing it live. Um, well, not really. Whatever. But we are at District Brew Yards. Um, yeah. And we are doing an interview with the brewers or the brewery session for the first time. Yeah. Um, so... We're going to go around and ask everybody the questions that I should have had pulled up ahead of time. Okay, so everyone's got to answer. Say your name, your favorite beer that you did not make, um, your favorite piece of pop culture, so that could be music, movies, whatever you consider to be pop culture, and a weird fact about yourself. And if you need an example of a weird fact, we can tell you ours. Yeah, do that. That we've given. Um Mine is that I've broken every single toe of mine, Jeez. at least once. Wow. At the same time? Um, some of them have been at the same time, yes. <laughs> um, mine is that I still have night terrors like a child. Oh. That's not the one you gave last night. That's the one I gave. I give a different one every time. It's I that you used to do dance. Oh, I was a competitive dancer for 12 years. Yep. All right. So whoever wants to go first. Yeah. Dan, you go first. You go first. And you can say which brewery you're from <laughs> yeah. as well, if okay. you'd like to. Or not. We can just... Yes. Can just do it live. Uh, yeah. So I'm Jerome Stance. I'm the co-founder of Bulldog Beer Co. Um, my favorite beer that I didn't brew is probably a close tie of what I'm drinking right now. So today is actually Sherry and I's uh, second wedding anniversary. Congratulations! Oh, thank you for being here with us. Yeah, <laughs> she's she's taking care of the baby right now, but she's going to uh, bring him back when he's passed out, hopefully. Uh, so it would be a Braxis, which is kind of Sherry and I's anniversary beer. Um, whenever there's a special occasion, we usually open a bottle of Braxis. Uh, if it's my favorite everyday beer, I'm probably going to say Toppling Glass Pseudo Sue. Ooh, nice. I'm Ben Saller. I'm one of the founders of Burnt City Brewing. Um, I, I have trouble having favorite things, but I, I, uh, went ahead and decided that Iyengar, uh, uh, Bavarian pills would be one of my favorite beers that I don't make. Um, a weird fact about myself is that I have a small connect collection of ninja weapons uh, <laughs> that a ninja friend of mine has given to me over the years. Have you been able to see this ninja friend? Are they like when when he imaginary? Okay. <laughs> not imaginary, but they're like super elusive and um when he chooses to. Okay. <laughs> I forgot to give my strange fact or my fun fact. I tattooed for about six months. Other I, people? Yeah. <laughs> I've given about 20 tattoos in my life. He's offered me. <laughs> <laughs> I just gotta find my gun somewhere. I'm John and I'm stalling. <laughs> I'm also one of the founders of Burnt City Brewing. Um, favorite beer of mine that I don't brew. I have too many favorites. Hear that. Uh, I'm a big fan of Orval as far as things that were just formative. Um, I have a special talent for eating so much pickled herring that somebody who's not me throws up. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. It's hard to follow that. <laughs> uh, I'm Dan Shedler. I'm founder and owner of Around the Bend Beer Company. 
Um, like almost, you'll hear this from almost every brewer when they get inevitably asked the "What's your favorite beer?" question. It's it's just too hard because we all like so many different beers. So I'm just going to go with anything made by Cantillon, and I think we're pretty much covered there. Okay. And um, <clears throat> odd fact about me, let's see, I once got a tattoo in order to win a scavenger hunt. Nice. Was that part of the scavenger hunt to get a tattoo? It was. It was worth ten thousand points if you and your partner got matching tattoos. So we got Cubs logo C's on our ankles. Nice. That is some commitment. Yeah, <laughs> we wanted to share a bottle of tequila that night, <laughs> which is dangerous because it thins out your blood and yeah. it makes the ink no, take man. less. People say that, but that's bullshit. Uh, you would know. <laughs> I bled like crazy on this one. I was extremely hungover the day after. Uh, I mean, I got the tattoo the day after a long day of drinking, so I had a bunch of aspirin. I in my... got my dragon after the after Oktoberfest one year, and um, in that Munich? was like six hours. No, <laughs> the pub, that was like six hours of misery. But the bleeding was under control. Oh. Everybody's different. Yeah, <laughs> we have never gotten tattoos the day after. We got tattoos together, and then. Went drinking that night. Oh, yeah. After. Well, we didn't um, go drinking the I night before. I bruised like crazy during that I did one. Not. After that one. Yeah. Like, I had just an entire, like, red yeah. thing going on in my arm. <laughs> but she was fine. Hers, like, <laughs> yeah. healed. Right. Mine was immediately was, healed. Yeah. I don't even think I bled. No. Wow. Okay. That was this guy. Ooh. Literally nothing. <laughs> um, so we can go around and say what we're drinking. Yeah. Um, Steph, you want to start? Sure. So I am currently drinking the Face Melter Hibiscus IPA oh. from Burnt City. I'm drinking Abraxas for my anniversary, and so is Sherry. I'm drinking uh, Face Melter Hibiscus IPA as well. I'm triple fisting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have the sampler of Daisy IPAs from Around the Bend, Burnt City, and Bold Dog Brewing. So that's the Juice Trials number two. The uh, Narwhal Poker Party and the Who's a Hazy Boy. I, I also failed to mention I'm also drinking a, around the bed delicious pills. Right. I also have Juice Trials number two from around the bend. It's uh, our hazy series. I'm doing the Oktoberfest Lager from Burnt City. Sweet. Cool. Nice. Let's get into these questions yeah. then. So, um, whoever just wants to jump in and answer, you don't all have to answer, like, right. Yeah. We, okay. just have, we just made a list of questions to kind of run with. So, um, what, obviously you guys are all super into beer, as I think a lot of us are. Um, what was your very first introduction to beer? It can be, like, the first beer that you've ever tried, the first good beer you've ever tried. Who wants to take that one? Uh, I think my brother here and his jackass friends probably let me try some really crappy yeah. beer and when I was drinking uh, bottles of MGD under the big toy at or, Bixler Park. Or, uh, <laughs> but there's definitely some old English going on. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, then as I grew older and be, grew to have idiot friends as a teenager, we would get like, I don't know, probably Miller Lite and Corona Maybe sometimes like Berghoff if we were feeling fancy. <laughs> yeah, fancy. <laughs> or lining kugels. Oh, yeah. It's fancy. Oh. Yeah. Some Chippewa Falls. <laughs> from what? Some Minnesota. Falls. Wisconsin. Yeah, that's where <laughs> lining kugels Oh, it's from, from Chippewa Falls. Yeah. I thought you were saying that Chippewa Falls was a. Yeah. I have a follow up question that 
I think will help us understand a little bit more about your How beer old are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you from? Because I feel like some of the beers that you sure. might have mentioned are regional. Yeah. Your first introductions? I'm from Chicago. Chicago. John and I grew up in Hyde Park. Uh, I'm from downstate Illinois, uh, basically smack in the middle between the Quad Cities and Peoria. Kiwani, super small town. Okay. And I'm from the Twin Cities, okay. so obviously my first beer was Greenbelt Premium, <laughs> which was very famous back there. Um, and I was six years old at the time. <laughs> That's similar to mine. <clears throat> um, I'm from Canada. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but hey. I grew up in Florida, yeah. Uh, but my first experience with beer was my dad let me try his Budweiser when I was like seven and that was disgusting. <laughs> well, well, see, we were out on the boat fishing and it was, you know, just me and my dad. My brother didn't want to go that day for some reason. My mom was watching my sister and he cracked open the cooler and he, you know, opened his Grain Bell Premium and he like held it out and was like, you want to, you want to sip, you know? And I think he thought I was going to think it was gross, but I took <laughs> one sip and I was, it's a cream ale, so what yeah. the hell, they're, yeah. they're, they're nice. And I was immediately hooked. I was, I'm not hooked. You know, that's, that's a little <laughs> much, but I, I, I had don't. drinking problems since no. age six. <laughs> it's age six, right? Dan's yeah. actually only 14. <laughs> <laughs> Let the beard fill you. But I liked it right away. It's great. But yeah. imagine how, like, the modern milkshake IPA thing oh, is yeah. making it easy for children oh, to oh, drink. Yeah. I don't know if I remember my first introduction to beer, but my first introduction to liquor, I vividly remember, um... My, so my brothers are both in their late 30s, early 40s, and one of them got married when I was 13, and they thought it'd be funny on the party bus to let me drink strawberry vodka. Ooh. Yeah, it was not 13. good. Not yeah, good. It's not going to end well. No. So do you want to do the next question? Because you have... Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I didn't get... An- I didn't answer Oh, that. sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, my first one was a Bud Light when I was probably seven or eight. There's a picture somewhere in my photo albums at home. Where my not dad, a whole beer. Not a whole one. No, <laughs> no my dad gave me a, a sip of Bud Light, and I hated it. Yeah, As Bud Light's he, not good. One should. Any of them, I feel like. Uh, I, I won't drink... I don't... I mean, I never liked Budweiser... Uh, I will be the first to admit uh, when people ask me like the beer that changed my mind about beers because I used to hate beer but it was actually Budweiser really because all my friends back in my small hometown drink nothing but Keystone Light and one of my friends gave me a Budweiser one night I'm like whoa (laughs) 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 that's what we drink in Keystone Light I don't I don't condone underage drinking but in high school Keystone Light but you do um, uh, but you could put away like thirty of them, and yeah, yeah. the beer that changed my cheap. life was like Yingling in college. Oh uh, yeah, which is weird to think about. Where did you go to college? The University of Florida. Okay, uh, they have Yingling in Florida. Apparently, oh yeah, yeah. It's like big in the south. I, I yeah. went to school in Pennsylvania, so I, there was a lot of Yingling going. On. Yeah. yeah, that was like the not cheap beer of choice. So like, if it was a cheap beer, it was like Natty Light, but. If you were going to splurge a little bit, you got some Yingling <laughs> at the party. Yeah, I drank, uh, I drank a lot of PBR back in my day. Can't do it now, but I did for a long time. I don't know if it was her first experience, but I know Sherry's first worst experience uh, was her... That's what we care about. Yeah. Uh, we have never made a beer with raspberry, and there's a very specific reason for that is because when she was like 13, her and her friends drank a bottle of raspberry vodka. And then she was throwing up at the bowling alley, and her friend's mom had to call her parents to come pick her up. Oh, no. And then, uh, yeah, her dad, like, tortured her the next day by making her smell raspberry. 
That's traumatizing. Mm, yeah. It's like some clockwork orange shit. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> like, she hates anything with raspberry in it. It's too bad, because raspberries are delicious. Could she eat regular raspberries? or Because I feel like the raspberry flavor in vodka is kind of artificial now. If I had to give up a berry, raspberry would be up there. I can give up dingles. Really? Hmm. <laughs> That's a good question. If you could dingles. give up a bear, berry. <laughs> good job, girl. That was well played. <laughs> well played, sir. Um, okay, so how obviously we have talked about coming here before mm-hmm. on a show. Yeah. Um, where did the idea for you guys to start collaborating in this kind of communal space come together because obviously you guys had all been separate up until you know this year you yeah take that? Mm-hmm. and it's obviously the greatest crossover yeah the in most ambitious <laughs> crossover in we think so since the avengers john uh sure uh <laughs> so i mean it sort of gradually evolved uh, we, I mean, so Burnt City had two locations and we had a chance for reasons that aren't worth getting into to start considering combining them. We'd been working with, uh, Dan for mm-hmm. a while and the idea of making it a more cooperative model rather than a strict contract thing made a lot of sense because there's way too much stainless steel in the city of Chicago right now. And the more cooperative you can make it better. Then we're like, well, shit, let's like, let's open it up for more breweries to get on board. And, uh, so, uh, Jerome and Sherry, uh, had a, you know, pretty compelling, like, uh, 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 pitch for why you know they wanted to be part of it. Um, <clears throat> we hope to pretty soon be announcing the the fourth wall candidate, which right now has been people who we are still contracting mm-hmm. for, um, and then some you know one offs and collaborations and stuff like that. Uh, but it it really just made sense in you know a market where there is so much infrastructure for beer production and so many breweries to try to pool resources and uh make something that's both different and efficient and if i could put a little more color on that for people who don't understand the business of brewing you know as well one of the things you know that makes a brewery more efficient is full utilization of the equipment, right? The brew house, right? And so there's a lot of different breweries around town. They've all gone off and bought their own brew houses, but hardly any except the really big breweries, you know, your revolutions or half acres, they're getting into that big category. Hardly any of us utilize those brew houses full time. So for three or soon to be four breweries to be sharing that system we get closer to that full utilization. It brings the cost on a per-brew basis down, kind of amortizes those costs across multiple players. It makes it more viable for all of us, right? And we get to sit in this beautiful beer hall that we're in yeah. right now. No one of us could have built anything like this on our own. But we pool resources, come together. Now we've got something that not only we think is beautiful and we love, but customers tell us every day when they come in here, man, this place kicks ass. Yeah, you it's know? a bigger draw when, I mean... You know, we have, at any given time, at least 30 and as many as 40 beers on tap. Mm-hmm. And every two months, 
um, 75% of those beers change. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's what we've talked about in the episode that we covered you in, is that it's a huge draw being able to bring a, a big group of friends here and know that there's something for everybody to try instead of going to just like a brewery that kind of specializes in IPAs or stouts. Like there's something for everybody mm -hmm. here, which is really nice. Um, what you mentioned, I feel like that's kind of like the barrier to entry for a lot of breweries where buying your own equipment is a huge investment and it's, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. So since you guys have opened, you know, you know, making your own beer and opening obviously this space, what do you think has been the most surprising thing you have learned in all of this time that you wouldn't have, you know, realized so that we is, can like, brew 30 beers in four weeks and <laughs> have it actually go pretty well. <laughs> that was surprising. <laughs> it was. So we started brewing um, back before the building was fully heated in like, I don't know, March February. or something. Like Late February, early March, yeah. Yeah, it was March um, and it was very cold and we were very cold and <clears> we were just trying to get everything ready for our launch and uh you know we've been using like the equipment that we're using came from burn city's brew pub and production brewery so you know we knew what we were doing when it came to to using that equipment um but our team really really pulled together in a very strong way to get a ridiculous amount of things done and and done well if i might say so myself mm -hmm. um and that's that's i think the greatest accomplishment of my entire life uh, uh that was very hard and uh it turned out very well agreed i think uh i don't know but like my sense of humor wants me to give the snarky answer but do it. Go for it. <laughs> oh, I mean, I found out the other day that hazy IPAs are a summer beer, and <laughs> they don't sell year-round, which I thought was pretty amazing. Uh, Who learned you on that? I'm not going to say. <laughs> um, but, but I thought but that if was... you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you could go to hell. Uh, just how much more... <laughs> just how much... You know, we're a little a little bit different because uh, with us previously, we had one seven-barrel tank. We were contract brewing up out of Lake Effect. So we could do, like, one beer at a time. Um, so basically the way my brew schedule worked at Lake Effect, because Sherry and I were still both working our full-time jobs, was like, oh, hey, there's 10, 15 cases left. Maybe we should start thinking about brewing something. By the time that's brewed, we should be out of those cases, and we're on to our next beer kind of thing. Uh, so when we opened the brew yards, we had seven beers on tap and I think it took us like two months to get the full 10, maybe I might be wrong on that, but, um, that was something that I never really had to deal with. Like, oh, I need to really start thinking way further ahead of how fast is this beer moving versus how fast this beer is moving so on and so forth. And like, what am I going to do to replace what beer on my wall kind of like having to keep in with the seasonal schedule seasonal schedule what's popular what's not uh another big surprising discovery for me was what i thought was going to be our flagship beer it was definitely not and it was our slowest seller uh for the first like three months um we finally got through most of it i think um 
but it's just sad for me because that's the beer that we brewed the most of. That's the beer we brewed, um, I think, most consistently. That's the beer that I absolutely love, but no one else seems to love it as much as I do. But also, I mean, because of your sort of miscalibration, which is understandable when opening a new place, like we brewed a big batch of that. I would think you could bring that back as a small batch and, you know, make the packaging more in line with your current packaging and maybe get surprised at how, like, it... And truly, I mean, that, that beer is supposed to be a series and we've kind of only done one iteration of it. So I do see it as a juice trials, you know, kind of... It's Kiss, for anyone that's familiar with our brand, Keep It Simple series. Mm-hmm. Uh, smash smash beer, so single malt and single hop. We've always done Pilsner and Citra and Cezanne Steen's Monster from Omega. So the idea was always, like, change one ingredient from batch to batch, whether it's just the base malt, just the hop, or just the yeast. One ingredient will change. That way you can kind of taste them side by side. Just roasted barley. And if, Just I'm, roasted if I'm remembering correctly, that was a th- 30 barrel batch the yeah. first time out, which was probably just too much for a brewery of your size, like starting cold. Yeah. So hopefully, I don't know. I think I, I'll bring it back as an in house uh, beer yeah. for sure. I don't Seven know. Seven barrel, we could totally. Or a 15 and do a small distro. Because there are people, when they have that, that seem to enjoy it. It's just people aren't as ambitious with that beer, it seems. I think going back to kind of your original point, though, this notion of you know thinking that you know X was going to be your most popular, but mm-hmm. it turns out it was Y instead. I think that's a common thing for a lot of breweries, especially in this day and age, when you know tastes are changing, new style you know genres are coming at us, you know, fast and furious. That was definitely you know my case. You know, yeah. not just with you know Brewyards opening, but thinking back to the whole you know four four and a half years now <laughs> around the bend. You know, thinking that one of the first beers we made uh, was called Silk Road, and it was a pale ale with Gallengal or Thai ginger. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, this is going to just light the world on fire because I love it, right? And it, you, you know, you go you go out to market, and we had dedicated fans for that beer, but it wasn't the kind of broad appeal that we wanted to be able to grow at the rate we did. You know, so you, you adapt and you change, and that's just part of being a small business person. Uh, definitely part of being a brewer. You know, in in, in 2019 in America, I mean, 8,000 breweries, for God's sakes. It's getting crazy out there. And that's like, that's that's the trickiest part of our business right now is, uh, and, you know, anytime you are uh, trying to run a business where there's some uh, degree of, like, craftsmanship that you want to maintain, it's like you need to respond to, to, market, uh, to the market that you have, but do you fully bow to that market Mm -hmm. like to what degree do you do that and that's a struggle we always have and i think you know i think we're all doing a good job with it we all still maintain the our own identities as as different breweries uh and so far there have been no milkshake ipas in the brewery (laughs) (laughs) and one of the things that makes us really suited to do that here is the wildly variable batch sizes so yeah. like you can still brew a seven barrel or you know or do a even small like like a five barrel batch of self road and yeah, brew which that beer did. right brew that beer that you love even though you know it doesn't have a lot of like 
broad yeah. market appeal, and we can still move it while it's pretty fresh. And that's what we did for batch. the opening here, and, you know, it went, and it went so, well. Yeah, right. And there were so, there were multiple people who came in, and they were like, "Oh, Silk Road!" Like Hell they, rem- yeah. they remembered it, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But so so, but we're still so new. We're still mm. trying to, if I can borrow something from like obnoxious corporate language, right size everything, mm-hmm. right, and oh, figure out what, <laughs> what's a thirty barrel batch, what's a seven barrel batch, what's a ninety barrel. Batch, yeah. um, and you know we're we're starting to get a handle on that. Mm-hmm. So, follow up question about that is how do you balance like the market trends on what people are drinking versus like what you want to do, and how does somebody like get into, or how do you guys attempt to create the trend? As you mentioned, like there are some beers that people don't really want to try. How do you kind of sway people to try these beers that you guys love? Um, so there's a couple things with that, good. right? Um, you, you have to iterate constantly, right, and try to find the new the new hits, right. Um, you have to be cognizant of trends and then make them your own in a certain way, right. And what I mean by that is, you know, when when hazy IPAs were first starting to become a thing a couple years ago, the first couple ones I had were from local area breweries, and I won't name them, but they they had this terrible hot burn. And I was drinking these things. I'm going, what? What is the appeal of this? Why is why is everybody talking about this? And then I had a few weeks, months, whatever later, a, a treehouse or a trillium, I forget. And I was, I was, it was, it was a different animal, right? Yeah. And I was like, ah, now I see what this can be, right? So I was resistant to do anything in that sandbox for a while until I realized what it could be, and then I went out and started researching, you know, and doing pilot batches at home and figuring out what's my stamp that I want to put on that. And we didn't release one until earlier this year, which is our juice trial series, mm-hmm. which I'm drinking the second iteration of. The third iteration will be out in about two weeks. And I found a way that I wanted to take that, you know, New England IPA, hazy IPA is a broad mm-hmm. umbrella. I found out where I wanted to carve my niche for it. So you got to find kind of how you want to do it. And then in terms of leading the market into certain ways, it's harder and harder to do that the smaller of a player you are. But I feel like the best thing you can do is just make the highest quality product possible and introduce it to people and let them come to you. So as an example of that, we made um, an English barley wine. It's called Proximal. Mm -hmm. Aged it in uh, Route 12 Spirits uh, rye barrels for over nine months. And we debuted it at Quikefest, which uh, Burn City hosted here at the Breeyards a couple weeks ago. And then we just put it on sale for the public this weekend. And it was our, by, by dollar share, it was our number one selling beer, you know, this weekend. And it's getting tremendous, you know, reviews online. And it's because we spared no expense with that beer. We knew exactly what a great classic barley wine should be like. We knew what these high-quality barrels were going to do. And we just put all those things together, right? And barley wine's not the most sexy, most popular style of beer out uh, there, right? Excuse me, barley wine is light. <laughs> <laughs> now, there, there's a hardcore following for it, and I think that's starting to grow, and I think Revolution is helping that with, you know, their Barrel Age series. Yeah. They decided to do a barley wine. We were excited that, you know, just when last year when we had decided to do ours, we knew it was going to be a year before we'd release it, mm-hmm. to see that they were doing one, we're like, oh, maybe this will actually be a thing. But that's also around the time we went and saw Garrett Oliver uh, oh, yeah. speak, and he just is obsessed with barley wine. Yeah. yeah. Waxed poetic. But, but it's for... like, you know, do what you want to do, right? And then let, let in a certain way, you've got to do what you want to do and let the market find you on those. And then in other ways, you've got to find what the market wants and find how you want to do that your way. 
and, and, so it's and, up and down strategy. And people will say like, oh, and I, I'm not, I'm glad people experiment and people should brew whatever they want. But like people say, oh, you brew X style to pay the bills and then you, and then you, uh, and then you do what you want on the side. Like along the lines of what Dan was saying, like I, I like to try to keep a tab on trends. And if I like a trend, then I'll explore it with my own beers. Um, and maybe that will help pay the bills, but I'm still doing what I want. And then on the side, we're doing like, I mean, uh, burnt cities, uh, been getting way into mixed fermentation with Britannomyces and Lactobacillus, um, and, uh, quite, yeah, uh, quite, which I wasn't considering, oh. uh, not, <laughs> I mean, it's still Saccharomyces, uh, but also, I think that the world is sick of hearing me talk about quite. <laughs> <laughs> no! So, uh... Yeah, so, like, people buy those beers, um, but, you know, they're, you know, a, a Brent Saison is going to move slower than a hazy IPA, and so uh, we are putting a lot of uh, mental and physical energy into um, making sure that we both are making the best possible examples of, of trendier styles that we actually want to drink, and then also um, expanding our horizons in the areas of beer that our team is most interested in. Now, again, I think it's been a little bit different for us since we're a little younger and we we're a little smaller when we started at the brew yards. But, um, you know, I was very, not adamant, but I was very resistant, again, to jump on the hazy train. And literally the first one that we uh, released was kind of like a peer pressure cave-in. Like the beer, <laughs> okay, fine, that's up on our wall is... A couple of our accounts like you got to do a hazy, you got to do a hazy. When you can do a hazy, I'm like, okay, in the fine. Summer, obviously, you're do it <laughs> yeah. in the summer. Yeah. yeah, I released it in the winter, and that's where I went wrong. But you know, I it's been a little weird because people are no one knew who we were before. A lot of people still don't know who we are. But it's been kind of interesting. Like Sherry's in a women's beer group, mm-hmm. and someone the other day is like in search of who's a hazy boy, and then like oh, okay. I saw on the Chicago Beer Reddit like. Uh, we've been given a shout out a couple times for Hazy Boy, and it's like, it's great I love that beer. It's a great beer. I drink it a lot. But the things that I'm more excited about um, are going to be like Sunny, our Sunflower Seed Hellas, Arnie, our classic, you know, like West Coast Double IPA. Mm-hmm. Like I really dig that. Everybody says Black IPAs are a horrible trend and a horrible beer, but we're releasing ours this Saturday, and I'm super Ooh. excited for that. They're and not a horrible sail trend. into the wind because they're not a. Tr- Trend anymore. We love love black IPAs. Yes. See, that's what I'm telling you. It's all the beer bloggers. I thought they were Cascadian IPAs. Cascadian Cascadian dark dark ales. ales. Yes. yes, What is this? 1994. Yes. (laughs) I love 94. That was a great year. Except, isn't that when Kurt Cobain? Yeah. Might have been. Uh, Damn. Do you ever feel like there is an easier beer to brew that, like, it's easier to do certain styles? well than it is for others like a good lager may be more difficult to do than like a good hazy ipa for example and do you have an example of like hmm. one that you found that's a kind of more difficult style to brew that you really enjoy i'll tell you what's a difficult style to brew that i love that we make is uh brute ipa uh we've got mm-hmm. a series called extra circus we're on our sixth iteration of it right now and i'm i'm kind of bummed because <clears throat> so many bad brute ipas flooded the market people doing this this style without having taken the time and the care to figure out 
how to really work with it because it's brewed with a special enzyme yep. that takes and converts all of the sugars to be fully fermentable, which isn't the case for most beers. Um, and so you end up with a really dry finish on the beer and there's no hops in the boil because it would be a bitter mess if you did that with that thin body. They, all the hops go into the dry hop, which means you're not extracting any bitterness, just flavor and aroma. So you're basically painting on this beautiful blank canvas of nice, dry, finishing, um, thin-bodied, not thin-bodied, but, you know, not a heavy-bodied beer, and just extracting all that aroma and flavor. It's, in theory, it's a beautiful, you know, idea for a beer, and so many people jumped on it when it was starting to be this hot trend, you know, a year or so ago, and didn't take the time and the care to figure out how to do it right, because it's really tricky working with that enzyme. And in fact, our first batch, I'll fully admit, wasn't the greatest, but we did the research and took the time and did a couple small batch things, you know, in between before doing it for the second time and figured out exactly when we should introduce that enzyme into the process. And now it's, it, it's beautiful. It sings and it hums. But as a style, it's not going anywhere because I think there were so many bad ones around that it just, you know, we hear a lot of, from a lot of consumers like, oh, I don't like brewed IPAs. You don't? Well, no, I had this one and that one from X Brewery and Y Brewery, and, and I didn't like it. We'll try this one. Oh, my God, that's so good. You know, yeah. So yeah. That happened Tricky to Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for, for me, I think if I were just trying to perfect a recipe, uh, there's, you know, some styles are a little trickier than others, but the, the, the trickiest thing is to kind of... Uh, like, like with our small batch hazy series right now, we're just, um, we can't be stagnant. Like there's, in the market today, you have to have something new to talk about all the time, new flavors to offer to people all the time. So we just like jumped off the deep end with hops that we hadn't heard of before and um, techniques that, uh, you know, I wish we had <laughs> um, uh, time to do like, smaller pilot batches of but we 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 we, we take, take careful steps towards tweaking things this way and that way like we're doing hazy ipas with the norwegian quite uh like farmhouse aliens and um there's just not it's kind of like it's not unexplored territory but there's not a lot of like solid information about like how fermentation temperature affects the the uh flavor profile of of you know hot forward beers um so we're just kind of taking it upon ourselves to try different things on our own and um try and we just brewed a, a hazy with um uh boss quike and um taihiki and sultana hops and we use sultana in various beers that uh we've where we combine it with like citra and equinot but this is our first time having it be the dominant hop in a beer and uh uh so to to kind of straddle the line between uh all-out experimentation and keeping things under control enough that you're confident you're going to have a good product um is it's a challenge it's it's a challenge that i enjoy uh but also sometimes it results in us having to acknowledge that we're not satisfied with product and uh very occasionally uh just dumping it down the drain 
And that's, that's just the stuff where we have recipes. We also have all of these barrels where we uh, have yeah. a variety, sometimes of like lab pitches of non-saccharomyces yeasts, and sometimes just things that we took from dregs of bottles that we love. Um, and some of them are dry hopped, and some of them have different fruits in them, and some of them have fruits in them where the wild yeast are still on the skins. Um, and there you really just have to taste it and see what you think and then uh, on the fly sort of make up what you're going to blend with what to turn into a great beer. Like we have a barrel of uh, blueberry ale uh, that is like super oaky and you taste Cabernet, it. So yeah, it's a Cabernet barrel, super oaky. And you're like, well, this is not a beer that like we would want to serve just on its own, but it could be a really cool element for something else. If we, you know, we have other barrels that um, that maybe have like great fruit flavor, but don't have enough acidity to be like structured. And you're like, okay, well, you blend that into this like really oaky thing, and all of a sudden you have something really good um and you can't plan ahead for that so that is i think one of the most fun things that we're doing here that we haven't really had an opportunity to do before i've never <clears throat> sunny uh is our first lager and i think that's uh definitely a uh where we're going to start experimenting a little bit more uh we'll have sunday night couch cuddles which is our uh india pale lager coming out Later this week, maybe. Oh yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, we're doing a Weizenbach, which uh, yeah. Uh, we have a Weizenbach coming out. You know, not a lager, but just a, a style that I really enjoy. And then we'll have a Schwarzbier coming out. There's uh, a Doppelbach recipe that I've been toying with for a while that I want to experiment with. So I don't think I'm gonna become the house lager brewery but there's definitely a lot of things that i want to experiment with especially with the lager styles um thinking along these kind of lines uh, and be like super honest with us on this if you could see one trend go away in the beer market one two three milkshake <laughs> i was gonna say exploding fruit ipa cans or just in general <laughs> lactose and everything that's like lactose occasionally is great but like save it for the milk stats we don't yeah. need or can i just get a regular stout i mean too, I, I heard that no, there's i heard that there's dead. this brewery collective in chicago that's going to have a whole event <laughs> called the bake sale where it's all like big sweet dessert beers and that's us the district brew yards <laughs> hey what I'm district sorry. brew yards bake sale um, be coming up in november yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds so, fantastic um, also, so, so, so i i personally like sweet beers are okay um uh i i like i like uh, a, a big rich stout like put cinnamon and vanilla coconut in it i love that i love drinking you know six ounces of it like once every month or so uh or, or like after like a nice hearty dinner um uh uh before i move on to my uh digestif cocktail uh, but uh but like for like styles like i i just 
I try not to be the grumpy old man. Yeah, you you know, get off my. Uh, okay. <laughs> I am a, a grumpy old man, but uh, you don't need to add more sugar to everything. You don't need to add vanilla to everything. People should brew what they want. I have no criticism of people making these beers and selling. You know, they're doing a lot of breweries that are making a lot of these beers are doing really well selling them. And good for them. Like, I genuinely uh, am totally fine with that. Um, but uh, I, I have zero interest in going down that road with my own company. It's just, I, I think it's gross. I think that we have a, a sugar consumption problem in the U.S. and that this isn't helping. Um, uh, but mostly, I just think that the flavors are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and I have not had a milkshake IPA that I didn't think uh, that, I, that I that I wanted to finish. I never have. I haven't. I've tried maybe a dozen, and um, they all taste like what they're supposed to taste like, and that's nasty. <laughs> Is, are these trends just related to beer or broader than beer? You can make it broader if you want. You can, I you can hope, answer however you would love yeah, to answer. I personally am, am hoping that uh, hard seltzers go the way of Zima really fast. No. We're in the same boat. No. We are tired of seeing Whoa, all the Hey, hi, who are you? Oh, hi. Sherry's back. I, I, I halfways think that's what's going to happen. Who knows? It's a different day and age. I don't understand these millennials these days. <laughs> when I tried White Claw, it was better than I thought As, it as be. millennials, uh, Gen X rules. No, um, I like Genics. sitting on the beach drinking yeah. a hard seltzer because it tastes like water and you feel like you're being hydrated, but at the same time, you're getting drunk. I know, you're it makes not. it really It's a lie. So, so you're like lying to yourself is what you're saying. Have yeah. you tried putting <laughs> gin in hard seltzer? Dude? No, I don't Ooh, need to get I haven't tried that double either. the booze. That's you put gin in everything, then. You guys remember <laughs> tequila? So, so what? Oh, I mean, tequila, I put gin in Rattlers. Yes. I make yeah, tequila yeah, Rattler. Yeah. yeah. I do put gin in everything. You do. You do. How do you um, feel about the bigger breweries starting to brew seltzers? Make, or breweries in general trying to make hard seltzers. You gotta pay the bills. <laughs> um, more I money, guess it more money. depends what the hard seltzer is and who it is that's doing it. And how hard it is. <laughs> how hard is the hard seltzer? How I mean, hard is your seltzer? Like well, like harder seltzer, make well, like harder than yours. Oh. <laughs> so actually, also, Natural I'm a little confused like about how a brewery would do that legally. I guess if they have a brew, I think it's if they're owned by like a bigger pub license. It's so basically like, a cocktail. Like, yeah, Natural Light is owned by someone big. Yeah. One of them, but they're doing a hard seltzer that's like 15%. I don't care. I really don't care. It's insane. Um, But like, I would assume that they have the license through like their parent company Um, because it's being distributed through. If, you know, if we can have cocktails in cans that, you know, don't have a ton of artificial flavors and gross shit in them, I don't see myself buying them. I'll drink them for free. Uh, well, I mean, I'll drink a lot of things for free. Right. Yeah. That's a big difference. I kind of look at it a little differently and, and, and sort of, you know, throw up my hands and say, let everyone do what they want to do. But I, I would prefer to have my brand, my company, be more about the ethos of craft 
beer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, what, right. what I got into this for was Oh, it never occurred make, to me that I would make one. Right, yeah, to make with my own two hands, you know, and with partners the kinds of things that we want to drink. Your right? own your own white claws. Yes, with my own white claws. Wait, you're gonna make this thing a racist oh. you know? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. No, Go but back to hang out with the baby. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not interested in it whatsoever. And, you know, if that's what, I mean, again, you know, you can't, you can't fight City Hall, whatever metaphor you want to use, right? If that's what people want to drink these days, then God love them. But that's not what I'm interested in making. So, so on the other side of that, what's one trend that you would like to see a lot more of? Well-made lagers. Yeah. That's happening. Very, yeah. That's happening. I want that to be a thing forever. Two-headed I, boy is a great one here yeah. in this hall. Um, Penny Farthing Pilsner is one we just made and will be released widely Sunny's, to the public very soon. Sunny, Sunny is great. I want the people to sunflower. drink a lot more well-made yeah. yeah. I want a lot more people We're all very I want, I want that, that to be like the, when you go on like a trade beer group, I want that to be like the in search of and not the newest hazy and not the, you know, newest milkshake IPA or the newest sour. I want people to just be looking for. But the mixed amazing. ferment thing. Is my other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Mixed yeah. fermented beers. Yeah, yeah. You didn't even mention your number one. Brown ales, motherfucking brown ales. <laughs> they are coming back. Someone asked Billy. yesterday for one. They said, uh, "See, yeah. see, they're coming so back." How come that someone makes brown ales? Is, and I said, "Because we've been bringing the them back for four years." Are you kidding me? No, I know. <laughs> it's just like everybody. I feel like people have a pretty nuanced appreciation of hops and a pretty nuanced appreciation of yeast and we should have some nuanced appreciation of malt and drink some regular strength stouts and we should and i think that's one except that nobody will actually buy them so but but again (laughs) the advantage of our wide range of batch styles is we can brew small batches of them and serve them here and it doesn't matter and we're going to yeah and we're going to (laughs) No, I agree with that. Like, so I don't like lagers for the most part because every log, most lagers I've had are pretty shitty. Um, but they taste like Bud Light. Yeah, yeah. they taste like yeah. really nutty and they taste, they remind me of Budweiser and Bud yeah. Light. Um, but Stephanie's boyfriend is very into lagers, so I've been able to try a yeah. few and have like have had a few really good ones that I realized like I do like lagers. There's not really had a good one. My drinking boyfriend one will, right now. Well, yeah. Oh, I know. I like that. <laughs> My boyfriend will drink anything that is not an IPA. So right. we get a lot of exposure to whatever he's drinking through that, that. That's been the beer style that I've recently just craved the least is yeah. IPAs. I, he asked me the other day what I wanted to drink at a bar, and I was like, just literally anything but an IPA right now. Mm-hmm. Something just really crisp and clean and well-made. That's yeah. all I want. And that's, I feel More like, delicious stuff. I don't know. IPAs, I feel like, are always on trend, but it's yeah. my favorite time to be drinking is the fall and the winter because Oktoberfest has come around. So, like, yep. Burton City, I'm trying theirs right now, and it's really good. Um, and then I like stouts, but I and I do like pastry stouts, but my issue with them right now is, like, every one you get is between, like, 9 and 13%. You can have, like, two before it's being time. pretty drunk. Yeah. See, that's what, I wish porters would become a thing again. And yeah. you put the I word porter on a label or a menu in this town, and you can pretty much guarantee that that beer's not going to sell, which is a shame because you get really yeah. the nice right big, <laughs> you know, a little bit of the roasty you would get from stout, but that's knocked back. You get the big dark malt flavors. Yeah. You get a little bit of the sweetness, but it's 
restrained. It's just, it's such a great style. And Porter doesn't even have the problem that brown ale had where so many it's of them were problem. sweet and insipid mm. for a long time. Yeah. Um, but no, I think people just, when they look for dark beers, they're looking for something really strong. It's tunnel vision on stuff. Um, you know? yeah. But I, it's gotta... Or, they, or if it's not on nitro, like... Got it. Got to be on nitro. I can't do nitro beers. beers. You don't? Not that much, no. not really. Oh, it's like a texture. They just yeah. feel like I'm like Drink. eating a beer. Yeah, it's like, it's, like, it's, like, it's so thick. I want a beer, not a puffy cloud. Yeah. yeah. If I have a nitro what about beer, a beer, I can drink more. on a puffy cloud. I might like to I want rest that, my I head on a puffy yeah. cloud as I slumber at night, but <laughs> I don't drink it. You slumber? No. <laughs> That's one thing I've noticed. I'll have like um, when we did our episode at Temperance. Yeah, they had a their Blondale on nitro and then not like the original. And you did both. I back tried to both back. just to see what would happen. I did. We were doing samples. And what you think? Did you throw up? No, I mean, um, that, that, was not a knock, that was not a knock against Temperance. I love no, Temperance. No, We've had no, some great no. times at Temperance. Um, I wanted them both just because they described them differently and mentioned like different flavor profiles that the nitro brings in. So I wanted to try them both and see what the difference was. Um, it was small enough of a pour that it didn't really like feel too thick. Um, and there was still a thick boy. It was still a thick boy. It was three, at least three. It was at least three C's. Least three thick. C's thick. That's pretty thick. We have not dropped that yet. This we episode. Have we have a scale of thickness by the number of C's. We Would talk about that? stouts, about how say. thick stouts are. Well, I want to make sure you guys get to drink some bulldog and around the bend beer, but I am curious to see how. Thick, you thick are black pit of tree. not eyes. I, I know. I know. <laughs> you ruined it. Thick. <laughs> Doesn't work. The running Finally. joke is that if you say thick with a K, it's not thick. Yeah, so it's zero C- is with a K, but then if you keep adding C's, mm. that's the scale. Okay. We got her boss to start doing it at work now. Yeah. How do you verbalize that? We, we just say thick C's? with how many C's. We, how many thick C's with two C's? C's? Thick with three C's, like that? Yeah. We'll just say how many C thick. <sighs> oh, how many C thick? <laughs> Most people that we say that to understand the scale, so they know. There is no real scale. No, we there's just make no actual number. I like it. What's the max C thickness you've ever encountered? I think we've seen four, but it was Ooh. not related to beer. No. What else do you want to know? Oh, we have a bunch of questions. Um, I actually had a question that for earlier when you were talking about um, a lot of the different styles and experimentation. Do you start off in smaller batches like home brewing when you have an idea and then bring it and then scale up? So, and if you do, what's the difficulty in scaling up between um, sizes? I feel like I'll answer that because we probably are the ones who have most recently done that. I'm Cherry mm-hmm. with Bulldog Beer Company, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, you have to give the intro. We got to give the intro. Okay. So you said your name. Yes. Um, what's your favorite beer that you don't make? A weird fact about you. Yeah. Um, and your favorite piece of pop culture. So I'm assuming I'm probably going to have some of the same answers as Jerome, and mostly just because I'm drinking it right now, but um, peren- er, uh, Abraxas by Perennial. Um, it's, our, it's our special occasion beer, and it's actually our two-year wedding anniversary today. Yeah, we want to so say thanks drinking. again for being with us on yeah. your anniversary. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> it's fitting. Um, sorry, I forgot the questions. <laughs> Favorite piece of pop culture? It could be anything pop culture-related. Music, oh, movies, God. TV. Do you have a... Friends. You can use mine. Can I come back to that? For sure. Because I... Weird fact about yourself. I cannot wink my left eye. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I can we'll be right. attest to that. That's she cannot do it. I can, I can be right. Visual <laughs> 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 I 
I do that. Sleep. Does that mean? <laughs> you don't sleep winking. I can oh, close, close my you. eyes. <laughs> yeah. That's weird, John. Um, yeah. There you go. Okay. That's a weird one. You can think about your pop culture, okay. and then we'll come back as soon as you think about it. Just start, just <laughs> you just shout it out. Yell shout it. out in the middle of the question. <laughs> um, so we, what we, originally what we used to do is anytime we would come up with a recipe, we would always homebrew first. Um, we had a lot of beers that never made it past a homebrew scale because we like to make really weird stuff sometimes, um, and a lot of times it'll just sort of come from, you know, we'll come up with a beer name and then we'll sort of work backwards from there and try to figure something out. Um, I, I'm from the East Coast and I, um, I was really homesick one day. My um, hometown had a chocolate factory in it. And being on the East Coast, we put blueberries in absolutely everything. So I told Jerome one day that I really wanted to make a beer that smelled like chocolate and tasted like blueberry. Because that, to me, that's home. And we were like, that's super weird that could be disgusting or that mm-hmm. actually could be kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so we test batched it. We ended up test batching it at home three times before we found something that we actually like. And now it's going to be one of our beers we've put onto rotation. Um, but I know for us, we usually start there. And if it does well for us at home, we'll make it in a seven barrel batch. And then if it does well from there, we'll move up to, you know, 15, 30, um, you know, that's what we did with Sunny, our Sunflower Hellas. Mm-hmm. Um, we started with seven, and then we realized that, you know, it's a, not to toot my own horn, but it's a really, really good beer. Um, so I think next spring we're going to do, I think, 30 barrels of it um, and have it available for distribution because it we really like it. We think it's delicious. It's tasty one. Yeah. It's, how, I, <clears throat> how difficult is it to go from, like, the home brew setup to uh, more of, like, an industrial scale? Um it's just very, it's more just different. Um, I think one of the scariest things to look at is the, the cost the first few times that you do it because you realize, you know, oh, I needed, you know, 55 pounds of this grain. And then all of a sudden it's, I need 600 pounds of two row. And it's, it's a cost that you never thought that you would see. Um, so I think for me, that was always sort of the scariest. And I'll say the, the better records you keep when you're doing it on the pilot size, yeah. you know, yeah. obviously oh, sure. the better you're going to, it's not a linear progression from five gallons or six gallons to 735 gallons, <laughs> but you know, you do it enough, you kind of get a sense of, you know, where the things are going and, and we still <clears throat> at around the bend, we still, you know, test batch a lot of our stuff. Cause like you guys over at Bulldog, we like to brew some weird shit too. And so, like, what I've just poured myself here now is our October Fiesta. It is a classic Mertzen style brewed with pasilla chilies and epazote. So it's Oktoberfest meets really Day good. of the Dead, right? We stem and seed the chilies so there's no heat from them. You just get the nice fruity character that marries with that caramel flavor of the Mertzen. And I, I did this beer, you know, um, in this iteration twice. I'm still on my same old homebrew rig I used to use, you know, for the last 20 years. Um, I worked on the the base beer, the Meritson, for literally like ten years to get that where I wanted it. Yeah. But then when this idea hit me of like crossing these cultures, you know, mashing them up, you know, I wanted to make sure we were going to do you know ninety barrels of this to go out to distro throughout the Chicagoland area. We also distribute to Ohio. I wanted to make sure it was you know going to be something that people were going to yeah. be receptive to. So you know, the first time we did it, we just. It just it just did not have enough of that character, so we went through, did it a second time, you know, just making sure you're getting it dialed in. 
and then even when we were here, you know, sometimes you you make those adjustments and you do the scaling up, you know, to your question. Um, and after we put in the the chilies and the boil, we just it, we weren't getting enough of that character coming through, and so we doubled it up and did a whole nother, you know, same amount of the dosage um, in the bright tank before uh, before we packaged, and it came out fantastic, you know. So you can adjust things along the way after you've done it, but always, you know, working that 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 process early on in that that five six barrel batch, it's a lot better to have to dump that down the drain than it is, you know. 30 or 60 barrels of beer. So. Yeah, sure. Um, one question moving maybe a little bit from the actual brewing side of it. So obviously the craft beer community is super unique, I think, of like people that want to come together and be a part of something. Um, what has been your guys' favorite thing about being a part of, beyond just being in the brewery side, being in the craft beer community? Free beer. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I actually got this at Braxis for free. I'm not gonna lie. I have a lot of free beer. Sometimes too much free beer. Weep, yeah, weep. is that a problem? It. <laughs> it can be because what you really want is free fresh beer. Right. That's fair. That's fair. And then the longer it stays in your cooler, you're like, man, it starts to stress you out. You're like, we got to drink all this beer. Uh, before it gets old. Hashtag first world problems. I mean, my, 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 my typical answer to that kind of question is, is that I love the, the friendly uh, brewing community. And, and it's still true. It's still true that um, we all will help each other out at the drop of a hat if we have a bag of grain that we're not using the next day and somebody needs that. We'll say, hey, come pick it up, whatever, if, you know. Breweries in Chicago help each other out all the time. Tons. Um, the era where we pretended like we weren't all super tired of so much competition is long <laughs> gone. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to bullshit like that. It's exhausting. Like there's so 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 much competition. So many breweries opening. Uh, People should like probably stop opening every every for day. At least a while. And Maybe a like, year. And like, I mean, I, I try to I try to stay nice about it. But when I see more breweries opening in Chicago where there's not a single original thing about anything that they intend to do, it just makes me want to fall asleep or hit myself in the head with a sledgehammer. Like I I just it, it it's it's a lot. So. That, that comment kind of fell off the rails. <laughs> I would say that my favorite part is all of the really, really cool people. There's a yeah. lot of really cool there people. Are. Yeah. Totally. Um, so, to piggyback off that. <laughs> I really like a lot of the people, too. Yeah. There's a lot of caring people, too. Yeah, there's people a lot of caring people. for yeah, you well, and you need it. I mean, and we had just an amazing time last weekend with Bike Fest, yeah. and people came in from New York and California yeah. and, yeah. you know, Kansas, and, and after a bunch of people from Chicago, <laughs> There was too. so much energy at that festival. Yeah, and, like, all of the brewers had a fantastic oh, time yeah. and, you know, stayed afterwards for the after party, and um, there still is a, like, huge amount of you know, positive energy and collaboration going on, but it has to be around <laughs> these sort of new and fresh parts of 
beer. It's not like you, you know, get together with somebody and go, like, drink the Irish red from the brew pub down the street and be like, this is what craft beer is about. You know, yeah. uh, you, you, you find people who are also doing, you know, fun experimental stuff or, you know, super high quality examples of the lagers or the hazy IPAs, you know, um, and you exchange your, you know, trade, not secrets, but, uh, trade, um, tips with them and drink really good beer and it's a lot of fun. (laughs) Well, I also think that's one of the other cool things about our industry and the people in this industry is that just when you think everything that could be done with this beverage has been done, some really creative motherfucker comes up with something totally new and you're like, God, that's awesome. Let's all, you know, go chase that and play with that. You know, ball of yarn for a while. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Brewed exactly. IPAs were that, what was it, a brew pub in San Francisco? San Francisco, yeah. And now, exactly. well, they went. We talked about that <laughs> before <laughs> you got here. Within Chicago, <laughs> in like the last year or so, has there been anything that you've tried that someone has done within like the city that you've really, really enjoyed and wanted to do something similar or like kind of chase down that idea? Oh, I mean, Dovetail Hellas. Yeah, that's what made me want to make one. one. Yeah, yeah, I... That's probably, hands down, still one of my favorite beers, just in general. I invited uh, Off Color to Quike Fest, knowing that they probably <laughs> aren't using Quike, and, and John Laffler uh, responded to my email saying, uh, we're not really using that yeast, um, but, you know, if, if uh, you know, we might be interested. And I said, well, you guys are so, like, yeast-centric in what you do, mm-hmm. I feel like your beers would be highly appropriate even if you're not using Norwegian farmhouse ale yeast. And they did bring a couple amazing beers and their, uh, their miscellanea especially just great. blew me away. I mean, it, it's fantastic. One of the, uh, one of the yeah, middle brow, like mixed fermentation table beers that I had a couple weeks ago was really good. But for the most part, I actually, I find it, really hard to keep track of individual beers that I try. Um, Especially, you know, when you're at a festival. But What's the last six-pack you drank in one night by yourself? Alone in the dark? (laughs) (laughs) While crying? crying. Were you listening to Dashboard Confessionals while doing (laughs) I'm sorry. Is this like an attack, though? Because... (laughs) (laughs) I only went to Ride Fest on Friday night. Okay. (laughs) Okay. It's a safe Um. space. Okay. I went to sleep listening to Taking Back Sunday last night after going to see Taking Back Sunday. So I feel a little attacked by the emo music. (laughs) But I I really do feel like when I, I go out and I taste a bunch of beers at a brewery, at this point, I don't even really try to specifically remember what beer I liked. I'm just increasing my understanding of the landscape uh, mm-hmm. because there are too many beers out there to be like, this is my favorite beer, and I don't like this beer, and you know, uh, uh, really... I think that's a better way to drink at a brewery anyway in general, right? It's because everyone's going to have hits and misses. What you want is a general impression of 
what what is the ethos that these guys are trying to put out, guys or girls, gals, are trying to put out into the marketplace? What are these people, what's their approach, you know, in general? That's at least how I would would, would, would think about it, right? Because you're right, you can't. What's strongest, cheap is? <laughs> is this more like White Claw or less? Um, How much of a are you just drinking this? straight gin now? Yeah. Are there laws? <laughs> no, but to your point, is, there, there are, are too many beers to remember are. them all individually, right? But you can get a sense of who this brewery is, you know, over the course of four or five glasses, right? Yeah. I always think beer fest could be hard too because there's so yeah. much yeah. to try. I literally have like notes on my phone of like beers that I've tried that I still need to like check in on untapped or i just like to use untapped to look like think of like what flavors i had i'm not like a raider like oh like this beer someone gave it a two not a good beer it's like i want to see like how people describe how it tastes more than anything so that's that's how i kind of try to like don't get us started on the rating system we We don't want to get on that about the rating system because there are obviously styles of beer that people don't like but they still try and then and they, they give they it a, like they it. They they give it a give point yeah. yes. Why the fuck did you rate that? So yeah. you we, know you don't like it. We have had beers that don't we don't like necessarily Cezanne. like, um, but Stupid. it's Stylistic more of a style that we don't yeah. like. And yeah. so we'll still rate it like based on the flavor profile or like just try to describe it. But like I have mentioned, like I don't really like lagers yeah. typically, um, yeah. typically, but that's because I've had a lot of bad ones. But I think as a style, like when I have a really good one, I for sure like it. But then I will rate things based on knowing that I don't like a style so much. Like, I don't... Sours do not agree with me. And if I ever try a sour, um, I know that it doesn't super agree. Like, I don't love that profi- flavor profile. Yeah. But I'll you have a hard time drinking sours. I think it's something with the acidity to it makes Probably. you... But that's also well. the great thing about drinking beer in 2019. You know, I tell everybody... <laughs> who says they think they don't like beer? Sorry, it's like, that's not true. You just guest. haven't found the beer for you yet. <laughs> yeah, there are exactly. so many different beers being made, <laughs> right. you know, at scale out there these days. Just so, keep going to you find you your to, thing. But so you don't entirely, need to like a zero or like a one, just because you don't like the style. That's well, it doesn't my, make sense. That's exactly. my problem. Entirely hypothetically, what are each of your favorite beer styles right now? In general? No, just. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get you beers. We want to oh. get you. Yeah. This is, I, yeah, not a trick question. I am at, like, right now, this uh, super into Oktoberfest. So oh, yeah. Cool. I was drinking the Burton City Oktoberfest. I really want to try the In general, I drink a lot of more, like, hop-forward IPAs and farmhouses. That's try Hazy Boy. Hazy Boy. <laughs> Boy and Oktoberfest. Uh, without getting too deep into the ratings, things like, like, like Dan said, I, th- I think the single thing that, that makes me the most... Uh, disgruntled about those uh, apps and websites is that I'm convinced the number one largest contributing factor to how people rate beers is what the beer is already rated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> that's just that. infuriating. That. It's yeah. so it's groupthink. It, it, and yeah. it's it's a natural, you know, this human beer is rated a four point five, so I know it's good, so I'm gonna give it a four point seven five. Or, or or I'm gonna give it a four point three even though I thought it was completely disgusting. But maybe it's just me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but we once had someone check in our Saison and give it a point two five and says, I don't like Saisons. That belongs on that Instagram exactly. account, like that's WTF yeah. on tap. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, that's a good one. That's a fun one. That is a good one. So you guys check that, that out. Ones. Oh, you'll, Ooh, tonight, oh, you'll fantastic. spend, well, it's your anniversary, it's like maybe not tonight, but you'll spend like, hours. I have a one month old. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest here. Okay, tonight, you'll spend three hours. It's... <laughs> <laughs> They just are like showing people's reviews of yeah. like beers on Untapped when they have the most wild. They don't make sense. Answers. No, yeah. 
make no sense. Yeah, I don't I don't agree with not liking a style and then rating something poorly because you don't like the style. If you don't like the style, don't try it. Oh, if some like I I don't like sours because the flavor profile doesn't agree with me, but Stephanie loves them, oh, so I'll them. try hers and if I like it, I'll get one. I'll drink sours till I have heartburn. But I'm not gonna go in and say like I don't like this sour because I don't generally like sours. Yeah. yeah. I we opened our brew pub in June of 2012, and in July of 2012, I stopped ever looking at Beer Advocate and Untapped and Rate Beer, and I've never gone back. And I've yelled at people in my brewery for talking about those things while I was just <laughs> trying to uh, make my beer, because uh, it would probably be good if I paid a little bit more attention, but... Um, it's a it's a silly silly echo chamber that doesn't really have a whole lot to do with. Uh, I mean, if if you're like a superstar, if your brewery like takes off in those um, like kind of isolated situations, it can do wonders for you. But um, the vast majority of people drinking craft beer in Chicago are not looking at those websites often or ever. Next beer I make is going to be called Silly Silly Echo Chamber. <laughs> Ooh, can it be a collab? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, no, not with me. Oh. <laughs> no, with we'll me. do it <laughs> um, Thinking along those lines, um, if you could collaborate with any brewery, it doesn't have to be in Chicago, Like, who would you Oof. like to work with? Mm. Wow. Russian River. Mm. Russian River is so yeah, I was going to say, what? He can come back and answer that, too. Yeah, you, I do love Russian River. The microphone might not have picked you up. Oh, no, it picked up. Oh. <laughs> we said it three times after this. But it might yeah. sound like... Rrr, 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 rrr. <laughs> I would say... Cold dogging around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Cop out Very answer, but I like it. <laughs> If I could do a collab with West Flader and Abby, that would be oh, super yeah. cool. <laughs> Good luck on that one. It'd just be Westy 12, but we, <laughs> we, we call it something it different. Echo Chamber. <laughs> silly, two. Silly, silly, echo silly. Chamber 2. Echo Chamber 2. Echo Chamber Trials. The Echo There you go. <laughs> oh, I don't I know. That's a great idea. I don't know. I think. Answering for Jerome, since he's on baby duty, um, I think that he would maybe say Firestone Walker. Oh, they're really good, too. Maybe, but only if they could just brew Wookie Jack. They took away that beer, and he's really sad about it. Um, I would do New Glarus just so they'd have to distribute their beer. <laughs> <laughs> and I like it. Petty and I like it. It's funny, because we, we, we just did, did New Glarus. <laughs> last, last episode. Episode. I respect yeah. the hell out of what Dan and Deb have done up there. So. Or, uh... But okay, I mean, like Cantillon, because... There you go, yeah. That, that as well. Or De Halfman over at okay. Bruges, just so I could go over there again. Yeah. Bruges is amazing. Bruges so. is fantastic. And I so I'm going to tell there. the story about the first time I tried a sour beer. Fantastic. Oh, yes, please. Please do. Okay. Um, what were you... Never mind. I was going to say, what were you wearing? <laughs> That's a I just wanted question. to be creepy, and then I made it even more creepy. I apologize. Keep going. No, but you should answer that. <laughs> I don't remember. Theater of the mind. Um, wow, you really derailed my train of thought. It was in anyway, my leathers. I was in Belgium, and I was at a bar, and I was drinking a beer. Um, and this, like, older guy, I was, I was, I was 24, 25, and this older guy who's, you know, probably about my age now, maybe a little older. <laughs> Leather. Um, like, 
Yeah, just wearing nothing but leather briefs. <laughs> uh, no, no, he was dressed pretty normally. Um, he, like, asked if I'd ever had a sour beer. He was clearly Belgian. He was there with a friend. So I know what's that. Um, and he uh, bought me a... Uh, bought me a... Which beer was it? Um... Oh, a goose boon. Um, And I was like, whoa, this is totally different from everything I've ever tried, and it's awesome. Um, And sat there talking to him for like three hours, and he just kept ordering us round after round of goose boon. Um, And then when we were done drinking like tons of goose boon and like five in the afternoon or something he uh took us across the street to a store where he was like oh yeah you have to just like you have to buy this mustard and take it home with you and i'm like okay mustard sour beer awesome um and then we went back to a place where we were couch surfing and we were scrolling through what's that this guy still with you no, no, no. Okay. He was gone. <laughs> so we were, were we were scrolling through our photos uh, from the day with our couch surfing host, um, and when we got to the picture of us, like with this guy and our sour beers, our host like freaked out, and she was like, could not believe that we were hanging out with this guy all afternoon because he was a oh, Belgian soap opera star. Who introduced or me to sour beer. Nice. I don't know if I ever heard that. He had actually died the really? 30 years prior. <laughs> it's actually a ghost. It was a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> and you said that was bone? It was goose boon, yeah. Isn't it pronounced bone? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. He was That's speaking town English. in Burgundy. No, I know. I'm talking about Cote de Bone. What? <laughs> That's a thing. Anyway. Burgundy. We're Sorry. off the rails. <laughs> yeah, we could no, now I'm just thinking to like the first time I had like um, a different beer style that really changed my opinion of beer. And actually it was a couple of years ago, so... My boyfriend and I were in Denver for a concert at Red Rocks. We went out for a few weeks, like a couple days. And um, what was the show? Off brand for me, but we actually went to go see the electronic group uh, Odessa. Mm. And we left halfway through, which is not Uh, a story. But we were getting, you know, checking out the brewery scene in Denver because it's so big Mm. and. Not even knowing what it was, we found True Brewing. Mm. And I was nice. like, ooh, Metal Bar, Satanic Brewery, in. Yeah, and I we was went. there a month ago. That was we the first there. time I ever had a wild Last like year, beer, uh, like mixed cultured like that. And wow. Yeah. That's probably one of my favorite breweries. We'll shake country. up the palate. Yeah, yeah. True's fantastic. Yeah. Crooked Steve does a good job. Uh, I still have some Crooked Steve in my fridge that I need to get to. Actually, also, they sell that in Wisconsin, by the way. Just learned that. Uh, yeah. Can't give it here. Stay? Yeah. They sell some here. Huh. I have not found it here, but I found a bunch when I was in Wisconsin picking up some new Glarus. I know they have usually have a couple different ones over at my buddy's shop, Liquor Park. 
shout out to Paul. And <laughs> you uh, spend a lot of money there. I spend a lot of money at Liquor Park. So you know, six spot. spot. Yeah. yeah, I walk Great in. Shot. He's like, I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. you mean like three days? Just, it's been two no, days. No, it was like working a month. through the inventory. I had, yeah, I was working through a bunch of stuff, and I had been like a month, and they're like, we haven't seen you in a while. We, want, we were wondering what happened. Yeah, <laughs> we're about go, to do a wellness check. <laughs> go way back with Paul. They're a, they're a good shop. Good yeah. people. Yeah, they have a lot of really good stuff. I love yeah. that they get. I'm surprised they don't just call so you when much. stuff comes in at this point. I call them. Oh, <laughs> that's how it works. I do actually call them when I want something and ask if it's coming in soon. That's fantastic. But thinking about like that kind of thing, um, was there like a time that you guys can remember where you tried a different beer style that's like completely changed the game? Yes, and beer for you. Yes. Other than the time that you drank a sour with a soap opera star. Sour. <laughs> Uh, uh, there's a bunch of them. I mean, I, I remember... Uh, soap opera stars? <laughs> yeah, no. All the time in my life, like, Rush, er, Russian, Belgian soap <laughs> opera stars are just popping up and being like, try this beer. Uh, well, there was that time when uh, you first introduced me to uh, um, uh, Bourbon County Stout, um, mm. Where that was with a German soap opera star, so a little, <laughs> a little, a little different, different and further uh, south. I'm trying to conflate the two totally separate nations, but um, uh, yeah, I remember trying. Uh, that's not a true story, but um, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Goose Island is is a different entity from what it used to be. But trying Bourbon County Stout back in the day, uh, you know, that was pretty early on in my craft beer drinking career. Um, but then John and I, we would. Uh, for years, we would buy a couple four packs every year and stick them in the the cellar and um, do verticals and stuff. And uh, I, you know, I I, I don't uh, buy a lot of Island these days, but uh, uh, I still think that people haven't really made that. They haven't taken that style to like a noticeably higher level than what I think the. the, the that beer gives me uh, PTSD. Uh-oh. Why? <laughs> oh, no. I went to Goose Island Dodgeball one time, and they were just giving out free BCS the entire day, and I blacked out within two hours. You I gotta actually, watch I it. I did that yeah. at Patty Long's. I have a problem with bourbon barrel aged stouts. Also, I don't like bourbon. I think, so. like, 90% of the ones I've had taste like soy sauce. Mm. Oh, yeah, because they're oxidized yeah. as yeah. fuck. Yeah, you need yeah. to just yeah. get the not oxidized <laughs> Which is hard to find, versions. Uh, you should try ours. <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't currently have one on tap. Uh, but, yeah, ours don't taste like soy sauce, and if they do, we pour them out. Good. <laughs> we do have some strong stouts that are not bourbon barrel aged. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was also I, I, I spent my college years on the West Coast uh, in the late nineties and early two thousands, where like Portland, Oregon, was a fantastic place to be for beer. So yeah, I have a, a bunch of these stories, but. You know, even before the bourbon barrel age thing, I remember the first time I tried a Russian Imperial Stout. Oh yeah. I was uh, I was trying to check out a book from my college library, and uh, this like kind of surfer dude came up and he just like nudged me. He's like, "John, man, you got to try this beer." 
it's going to change your life. And he handed me an <laughs> Thank you. old Rasputin. Uh-huh. And I I tried it, and I was like, dude, you are right. I, I wish I remembered his name. I can picture him perfectly. Uh, I just get a card? Everybody else get a beer, and I just get a card? <laughs> I don't have a beer. I have a secret game of that at home, so uh, still dance. Yeah, so Old Rasputin. Oh, the That's bourbon barrel Old Rasputin, like, for, for uh, 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 North North Coast, right? Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, like... 20th anniversary bourbon barrel. Old Rasputin was one of my wow, favorite barrel beers I've ever drank. It's proximal. Um, the bourbon player is like. I would say for bristles yeah. on beers that like change your mind, right? Yes, beers that like change your mind. Yeah, yeah, revelatory um, beers. So the beer that made me realize that dark beers weren't actually scary, um, and that they could be really nice, and that I just needed to try them. Um, was uh, Breckenridge Vanilla Porter. Oh, and so I had it once at uh, Yard House, and then I realized that... Ah, uh, Yard House. Did oh, you yard have it house. in a full yard? I did not, because I was terrified of it, so I got on, like, a small glass, and then I think I drank it the rest of the night. Um, and I'll still, like, if I find it on tap somewhere, I'll still just be like, craft beer nerd me is hating me for ordering this right now, but I'll have a Breckenridge Vanilla Porter. Um... Black yes. Butte Porter was the first, like, non-Guinness yeah. dark beer that I had. Where it was like, wow, this is so complex and yeah. awesome. I think after that it was maybe Left Hand, actually. Their milk, um, their nitro milk stout. Yeah. I mean, that's a classic maybe? beer. Classic. Yeah. so good. It's really good. Mm-hmm. So, the first beer, the first, like, darker beer that I ever had was Death by Coconut. Are you serious? Yeah, I didn't. Well, not the first, but the one that really changed the game that made me kind of like. Mm. That wasn't that long ago. <laughs> that was like a year ago. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Wow. I was like drank IPAs until that point. Um, but again, I wasn't really. I was really afraid of trying stouts because everything I had was um, super malty, and I think I was afraid of yeah. the malt flavor. I was also a lot younger. Um, so, like, right when I turned 21. A year ago, you were a lot younger. <laughs> no, when I first started trying stouts. <laughs> I was like 21, and I think my. my flavor profile palette like things I like have has changed um and I actually think it's, I'm learning now how important it is to start like trying things that you yeah, don't like totally um knowing that your palate does change as you oh, age yeah and you tend to enjoy different things so I like I love stouts now um and I like porters now but I was so afraid of them when I was younger um and that's the one a year ago that is that chocolate <laughs> chocolate chocolate coconut <laughs> chocolate well, and after I had had the goose boon coming back and trying the new Glarus Belgian Red, it's like, ooh, this is like sour and, you know, mass marketable. Um, that is a great beer that, you know, for my taste right now is probably a little sweeter than I want mm-hmm. in my everyday beer, but I still yeah. love trying a little bit of it. And it also just did great things for popularizing sour beer. That and uh, <laughs> Duchess de Bourgogne. Oh yeah, yeah. got that too. Oh, yeah. a good one. What about Golden Drock? Yeah. It's going way back. I have a fond memory of a buddy of mine stumbling around the streets of Philadelphia. I was trying to keep him out of trouble and <laughs> he uh, decided to open this 750 of Golden Drock that picked up and he was drinking it and drinking it and simultaneously getting really worried that the police were gonna 
approach him because of his golden dragon, because that's what golden drag means. <laughs> and I was like, well, you could just, like, throw it away. No. <laughs> put it in a brown paper no. bag. <laughs> nope. It means golden dragon. You can't put it in a bag. <laughs> So, on the podcast, we do something called Final Thoughts. Um, it's like the last thing that we do. We go to like a song and then we go to Final Thoughts. Um, so, four Final Thoughts this We've week. We've done this like as one of our own episodes, so we thought it'd be fun to ask other people to we could build a six-pack of any beers. What would you pick? We collaborate on this six-pack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We let's do that. Like, a draft, six-pack draft? Oh, any of it. Like, you can do... If it's not on... Ben, you go first. I came up with my pop culture. No, sure, you go Oh, first. yeah. Sure, yes. you say that while well, okay. everybody else thinks. Um, also, I don't actually know if this is pop culture or more so just, like, trivia, but it's about cats, and that's relevant these days. I don't really like cats. Hey, I've watched a bunch of cat videos today, so it counts. Um, so, I actually found it out recently, and I thought it was neat. Uh, cats uh, do not meow to each other, unless they're kittens. Um, the only reason that cats who are outside of the kitten range meow at people is because they are um, trained that humans will respond to that. So, so cats meowing at us are is literally like them demanding something from us. Yet another reason yeah. to hate cats. I, yep. I, I, I have hate a, cats. I have a fact I that cats. I didn't, um, uh, I don't think I was asked to mention earlier, but I researched it for this very podcast. <laughs> if anybody cares. I, I care. We, we oh do. no, we do. We care. Um, Nicholas Cage used to have a pet octopus. Did you know that he also is... Oh, I love Nick Cage, so I know way too much about him. Um, he is really well known in the L.A. area for always adopting Sphinx cats from this one particular breeder. And my friend tried to get a cat from said breeder. Hmm. Mostly read, because it was the same breeder as Nick Cage's cat. I read Try online that he will not uh, She could not afford it. That do not breed in a dignified manner. Wait. Huh? What? Yeah, sorry. Actually, that's not That's a very fitting. Did you also know his son is very goth? (laughs) He won't eat them. Yeah, he has a son that's got hair that's dyed black hair down to his waist. He looks like a 90s mall goth. It's amazing. I mean, I would be goth if I were going to hate his son. That's some other things. All right, so my my (laughs) vote is uh, this isn't like uh, a storied classic beer. It's just one that I had recently that I really, really like. No, this is totally cool. Family was out in Frisco, Colorado. We went to Outer Range Brewing, and their uh, landlocked uh, uh, hazy IPA was unbelievable. Yeah, that's real good. Um, You can pick your own, too. We didn't say that you couldn't. You could could build more than one. Yeah. Oh, you can build your own six-pack, or you can just I, pick one. Or I thought I wouldn't pick my own. I didn't want to be gauche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, I don't remember the name of it, uh, but it's Hacienda Brewing's, like, stainless steel mixed ferment standard Saison thing. Oh, yeah. It was real good. Shoot. Uh... And, and, I like and, that uh, a mixed ferment saison can be standard now. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Not that it hasn't been. Um, like but it was just years, like but... it was like ever so slightly funky. It was like super flavorful. Uh, it's delicious. Wish I remembered the name, but Hacienda <laughs> Brewing, good job on the standard 
mixed ferment saison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is such a hard question because really there's so question. many, so many well, great beers you would two, put so, in there. Between the two of you, you guys can come up with four. Oh, I'm certain we can. Um, but this is like what to choose, right? You know, I mean, there's a lot of really. I kind of want to be just really. Let's obvious. put a Utopius in there because for resale value. Oh. We can buy a bunch more beer. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're thinking, why are we thinking about drinking this? Was it the secondary market? Okay. <laughs> smells like bean spirit. No, so right. we should call, we we should call Mike. You didn't say that you had to drink. <laughs> oh, oh, you went there. I was going to go there, but then you went there. Bell's yeah. um, too hard. Really? Ooh, love it. Yeah, you'll get at least a buck 25 for that one. <laughs> fucking great beer. I really like that they posted about how they were doing their double two-hearted, or somebody else posted about it, and I commented they should have called that four-hearted, and then Larry Bell responded, like, we, we already made a different beer called four-hearted. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, I was just playing there. <laughs> I met Larry once in Philadelphia, and he told me there a dirty joke. There was an nice. event at Beer Temple. Like they called it eight-hearted, because mm-hmm. they had uh, four different versions of two-hearted on drafts for a day. Um, main beer company, either another one or lunch. Oh, yeah. lunch, lunch is, is so good. good. I would, I would argue another one is better. I it does not I've have the hype. Yeah, I don't have had another one, but lunch. Contrarian view, lunch is Fantastic. average. So I think that I lunch was lunch was sort of right in the beginning of like when like the super fresh. East Coast IPA thing was coming out. Maybe I've out. never had it fresh. I yeah, I, I've had, oh, I've also had it, have it fresh. I've also had it like have three it there. times, and yeah. one time it was fresh and it was delicious, and the other times it wasn't fresh. But also yeah. go I've to Freeport, Maine, just average, and just so. go to their tap room. Just, okay. just go. Um, See, that's, that's there's the also a 24 hour LL Bean there. Oh my God! Why wouldn't you want that? <laughs> it's Maine. Open 24 what? hours. I love Maine. All right, I'm gonna take. Yeah, in Maine. In Maine it is. You can drink 20. No, no, no. L.L. There's an L.L. Bean oh, there that's open I, 24 hours. You need your flannel at 3 a.m. A well-made, sturdy flannel. Well, yes, exactly. I don't know why I thought it was like a jean place. No, L.L. Beans make like the duck boots and All that outdoorsy stuff. No, I don't know why I thought it was you a just, jean You went to college in the South. Too. Everyone at Michigan State jeans, only absolutely. wore L.L. Beans. I used to have a pair of flannel-lined yeah. L.L. Bean jeans. Oh, yes. We get slippers every year from L.L. Beans. My mom gets a sour out when you drop it. Yeah, but you get that you get that friends and family discount. Oh, All right, so not to like keep the ball rolling or anything. <laughs> I'm gonna take. So we've got four. Out yes, of six. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm gonna just uh, do a stereotypical like top beer of all time and say uh, West Flater in twelve. Because <laughs> I've had it and it lived up to everything I'd ever heard about it. Firestone Walker Wookie Jack. That's Jerome's answer. That is his answer. No, he was talking about that earlier. Perfect. That's his answer. Is it their double? Is it their black IPA? I don't don't know. Don't get us started on black IPAs. Oh, we talked about those. Oh, we did? Of course. Um, Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that sounds good. Six came out That's, somewhere in there. We could get a whole ten dollars for that six pack. Should go for a twelve pack. <laughs> yeah, since That's nobody cares about West right anymore. now. <laughs> All right, it awesome. Like Bean Spirit probably goes for ten packs as much as. If West two of those there. beers broke and we had to add two more, what would you guys add into the six pack? Oh yeah. 
That's tough. Um, so cans exploded because they were a milkshake IPA. <laughs> None of them were. <laughs> I think I would probably have I to say mine. I'm probably picking yours. Um, so we went to Summer. <laughs> You're getting the same one. Thank you. We went to San Francisco earlier this year mm-hmm. and went to Cellar Maker for the first time, and they had a smoked chocolate porter called Mocha and Cigarettes. Oh. That was absolutely incredible. It was fantastic. Wow. We huh. even brought it back in a crowler, and it survived the flight and was still fantastic. Cool. So where's Cellar Maker? San Francisco? San Francisco. Cool apart. Oh, that's a good question. They have a couple locations. Financial <laughs> district. I'm just, I'm just shouting. Everybody's like, any idea? Embarcadero. The Castro. I don't even know made my list. No. No. I hate that you said that one. Um, Fish Eye by Kensington Brewing Company. In Toronto. That was the first sour IPA I've ever had. You drank three within 30 minutes. I was, my family's from Canada, so I was visiting with them and all of our friends were at the bar or at the brewery. And by the time I got there, they were like three beers deep. So I had one, and then five minutes later, had another one. And then catch up. Five minutes later, had another one. The bartender was like, "What is happening right now?" <laughs> so you yeah, dug the sour IPA. Yeah, it was really good. I've been thinking about playing around with that. Yeah, I, uh, some pretty I, good ones. I mentioned don't, I don't like sours, uh, but in like an IPA setting, then there's enough like, bitterness and enough. So you lied to us earlier. <laughs> That's like one of the few. Um, one of, one of I like three. recently went to Speciation in Grand Rapids and brought back a very solid sour IPA. Its name I don't recall, but it's in my fridge. Speciation. Orange City opened the brewery with Golden Zombie uh, Passion Fruit. Oh, sour I had that. We were here for the opening. I, I really liked that. that. I never got a chance to try that one. What? Oh, right. Extremely pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. very frowned upon. I love that he's like offended for a second. You know it's like exactly I'm the type offended. of thing. I'm sorry. Have you met my little human? He's adorable. He I just want to mess anything up. All he's right. my favorite person in the building. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> not saying much for Thank you so much for coming on and hanging out with us. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. This was awesome. A lot of opinions that I enjoyed hearing. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. This is the first time we've done this, so we were kind of nervous coming in to see how it was going to go. So this has been lovely. All right. That was the episode. So we love hearing from you. Um, and if you want to contact us, You can do so through our email address. It is drunkanduncultured at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at Drunk and Uncultured Podcast. Our Instagram is Drunk and Uncultured. And our Twitter is Drunk Uncultured. No and. And as always, I'm Lindsay, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Lindsay Sold Out. And I'm Stephanie, and you can find me on Untapped, Instagram, Twitter and Tumblr as underscore Stefan Color. And you can also follow my concert Instagram at Shitty Concert Blog. Stay drunk, guys. See you next time.